0: So today's word comes from several, several conversations and experiences I've had with people this week concerning the inbreaking of the Holy Spirit during the second service last week and the impact that had on them, including some spontaneous healings that took place and some really awesome things that were going on. The idea of Standing in God's presence can and does elicit a wide variety of responses. For some, it's a sense of awe. For others, a sense of conviction. And still for others, there may be a sense of joy and expectation. But for most, the idea of standing in God's manifest presence as part of their day-to-day life is outside of their realm of possibilities, which, by the way, does not line up with biblical thinking, nor is it a true reflection of the heart of God. I want to read you the scripture from uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 20. This is out of the message version. The Lord is speaking to uh, Moses. He says, make me an earthen altar. Sacrifice your whole burnt offerings, your peace offerings, your sheep and your cattle on it. Now here's the point. Every place where I cause my name to be honored in your worship, I'll be there myself and bless you. Every place where I cause my name to be honored in your worship, I'll be there myself and bless you. Now, I know we, we have this, this dialogue often about the idea of not keeping church inside the walls, you know, that it's really important to take what God gives us out there and, and we're not stepping back from, from that posture at all. Uh, but I want to build on the fact that it's really important to have a place of worship, it's really important to have a place where we, as a community of believers, make a connection in praise, in worship, in fellowship with the living God, because He honors that. He He designates certain places. Obviously, this uh, past week has been really quite outstanding, I would say, concerning this place, this building. I don't know how many of you are familiar with how we we got this place, what it took to get this place as you experience it now, but it it was all a God thing. I mean, the fact that we got the building, the fact that we were able to do the renovations financially as we were separating from another building and then within a year took ownership of the building, just God, 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 God. So he obviously designated this place but there has been a building up and and i think it's gotten to quite a point of it becoming consistently obvious and evident that the presence of the lord abides in this place uh thursday after two weeks of the food pantry being closed we we anticipated um a crazy day we we thought we were just going to be like inundated it wasn't too bad I and mean, it was definitely busy, the, the initial rush, um, filled with the typical things that we have to deal with. But by, by 11 o'clock, I think it had petered down to um, just a normal flow of people, and it, it was pretty good. And, you know, one of the things that we do um, is this area here is, is sectioned off. We put a, a plastic chain across there so that people don't come into the sanctuary. Everything is dealt with in the uh, cafe area and in the foyer. and But what we do have is we have worship music as a background coming out of this room, and it just permeates the building. Now, it isn't overly loud. It isn't overbearing. But if you stop and pause, you'll catch it. And so somewhere in the morning, Katrina was telling me, oh, Dad, I just had this awesome experience. She says, um, you know that song... Uh, give me Jesus give me Jesus you know and, and she says you know uh, processing people and I just I heard that and I stopped and I just listened and all of a sudden the spirit of God just came over me and I began to weep and I, I think she first you would come up and said something to her and she said oh no just listen just listen he stops and pauses and listens. give me Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes on him And then Pat comes along and he said oh no don't say anything Pat just listen so he stops and listens and the three of them are like blubbering idiots, you know, just crying, and the Holy Spirit's all over them, and you know, <laughs> it's really cool, right? And then at about 11.30, we're cleaning up, and I'm washing down one of the tables, and Pat, as only Pat can do is singing, and uh, oh, it's a good thing, it's a good thing, and uh, he, he sings, Holy Spirit come. And when he sang that, I got whacked. He came to me. It was like he dropped out of the ceiling on me, buckled my knees. And I just began to weep. I, I almost had to crawl out of the foyer into the sanctuary and just sit for about five minutes just crying. The presence of God was so, so heavy on me. And then last night on Facebook, I don't know, what, about eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock? Uh Josiah cleans here on saturday night it's It's a ten minute job I mean what the, I, but it, <laughs> but he takes about four hours and and the reason he takes he says he keeps getting getting interrupted by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I know exactly what he's talking about because I do the vacuuming on Fridays, and I'll be vacuuming this rug, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will come, and I'm on my knees just sobbing. His presence is lingering in this building, and it's becoming more and more evident for those who are looking for his presence. Every place where I cause my name to be honored in your worship, in your worship, I'll be there myself, and I will bless you. Here in the Exodus account at Mount Sinai, God communicates to Moses the means by which man can stand in his presence. Initially, it was just a matter of three days of preparation and cleansing from the filth of the world with an eye toward the third day coming of the Lord in power and in glory. We saw this last week when we were looking at God's inclusiveness. This is also a type and shadow of the resurrection. In Exodus 19.10, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come. Do you know we need to be a third-day people? Too often we live our lives on Fridays. I don't know if you catch the drift of that. Friday was the day that Jesus was arrested and beaten and put on trial and mocked and crucified. Friday was a day of death and torment and bearing the weight of sin. And, you know, our circumstances and our situations can trap us in a Friday. But there's a Sunday coming. There's a third day coming. There's a resurrection day coming where the power and the presence of the Lord is evident in your circumstance and your situation. And if you will worship Him in that place, in the place where He causes you to worship His name, He Himself will come into that place and He will bless you. You don't have to be trapped living a Friday existence. You can live in the power of the resurrection. You can relive in, live in the power of release and deliverance because the third day is coming. The Lord himself, be ready for the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come. Are you ready for the third day or are you trapped in Friday? Jesus often displayed this three-day interaction with his people even as a child. When he visited the temple at Jerusalem with his parents for one of the feasts, and on the way back home, his parents suddenly realize Jesus is not with the group. And so they turn around and head back to Jerusalem to search for him, and Luke says in Luke 2.46, after three days, they found him in the temple. After three days, they found him. The truth of the matter is, is that after three days, Jesus became the temple, the place where heaven and earth intersect. In John 2.19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. You see, Jesus himself became the point of contact between man and God. That's what the temple was all about. It was the place where you could connect with God. It's no longer a building, folks. It's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And if you can establish a place of worship where you will worship his name, he himself will come there and he himself will bless you. Mark 8.31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days, rise again. But within the framework of the Sinai dialogue between God, Moses, and the people, the people reacted in fear to God's presence and declined the invitation to go up the mountain. Have you ever declined God's invitation? I have. Be in a public place and just feel, you know, this still small voice. Go over and speak to that person. Go and tell them about Jesus. I can't do that. Okay? Fear. Decline the invitation. Instead, they ask Moses to go up instead and speak for them. Because of this, this seems to have developed three obvious functions that allow for direct access to the presence of God. And I believe that these functions reflect down through the ages as beacons to the church as examples. The Apostle Paul makes this evident on several different occasions, like Romans 15, 4. He says this, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Again in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, he says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages is to come. And then in, in Acts, the writer says that this, this is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you Of your brethren, like unto me, him you shall hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. God has always had an eye for His church. He's always had an eye for the bride. He's always looked way back then in dealing with His people. He was already looking forward to dealing with us. The first two functions that that become obvious out of this dilemma are the functions of prophet and priest, Moses as prophet and Aaron and his sons as priest. In Exodus 24, Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with them, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, 12 pillars, according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron Nadab and Abihu and the 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God. Now, listen to this. They beheld God, and they ate, and they drank. Now, don't you think that's an odd statement? I think it was God's desire in reference to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I think God was just projecting forward to a day when we're all going to gather at the marriage feast of the Lamb, where we're going to sit at table with the Lord himself and eat and drink and celebrate and sing and worship and praise and, and just feel the joy of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. He waited seven days to go in and stayed in for 40 days. Wow. Hidden inside this account is the third function. That function is the function of the worshiper. You may not be called as a prophet, you may not be trained as a priest but we are all called and are all able to be worshipers. Joshua is our common man, who, moved by faith, does awesome things in God and has established a place for his own presence before the presence of the Lord by a means that is accessible to each and every one of us. Joshua is a worshiper, When Moses ascends higher up the mountain to dwell for days in the presence of God, he does not bring the priest or the elders. He brings Joshua. Why? Because Joshua is a worshiper. He loved the presence of the Lord above all else and everyone else, and he understood that what he finds in worship can be found nowhere else. The scriptures do not give any detail as to how it was that Joshua enamored himself to Moses in such a way as to be invited up into the presence of God when the priest and the elders are told to stay behind. But we do know that he became addicted to the manifest presence of God. In Exodus 33, 7 Moses took the tabernacle. He pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp, and it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses, and all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face, as a man speaks unto his friend, and he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Now notice that there's no mention of Joshua going in. Only the fact that he doesn't come out. In other words, this has become such a natural part of Joshua's life that it is unobtrusive to others. Moses goes in as a prophet, and he hears and then leaves to carry out what he has been told to do. But Joshua is there to worship. And there is no other place to go or other thing to do as important, and God takes note of that. Remember the statement of Jesus to the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. But the hour is coming, and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now listen to this. For the Father is seeking. The Father is seeking. Do you ever say to God, what do you want from me? Come on, be honest. You've all been there. (laughs) All right? I'm going to answer that question. The Father is seeking such people to worship him. That's what he wants from you. He wants your worship. And when it was time for Moses to pass on his mantle of leadership, guess who gets it? Numbers twenty-seven fifteen. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hands on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. And then again in Deuteronomy 31:14, the Lord said to Moses, Behold the day's approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that I may commission him. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud and the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. All those years of worship, led to a direct commission from the Lord for Joshua. We understand and clearly state through the vineyard values that worship is not just music and singing. Worship is a lifestyle. The Westminster Larger Catechism, the first question in the catechism, what is the chief and highest end of man? Why does man even exist? This is the answer. Man's chief and highest end is to glorify and worship God and to fully enjoy him forever. That's why you exist, to worship God and to enjoy his presence. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Obviously, as we saw with Joshua, there are times and situations that are more conducive to worship. For the most part, for us as a community of believers, that time is during our worship set. And if you narrow it down to that, then you and I have about 40 to 45 minutes a week where the atmosphere is such that we give all our attention, our praise, our worship, our words, our expressed affections, to the one who gave his life for us, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Someone shared with me this week about what they experienced when the Holy Spirit broke in during worship time at the second service last week. They said they felt the heat of his presence all over them and that they had never experienced anything like that intensity before. It felt like he was right there with them and everything else seemed to fade away. And then they said to me, it's really interesting because I was just thinking about how distracted I was by other activity going on around me and I just wished I could really worship him alone with no distractions. And it was like he answered that prayer immediately. Please consider that if your neighbor is listening to your voice, it means he's not hearing the voice of the Lord. During worship time, the Lord's voice is more important than our voice. Please be considerate of those who are worshiping near you. I want to close today with a reading from the book of Revelation, and then we're going to return to worship. This describes an experience that the apostle John had while in worship. At the beginning of the book, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was in his 40 to 45 minutes. And now in chapter four, we get a glimpse of what being in that condition can produce. Revelation 4 1, again from the Message Bible. Then I looked and, oh. Sometimes that oh is all you can say to describe what it means to step into his presence. A door opened into heaven. The trumpet voice, the first voice in my vision, called out Ascend and enter. I'll show you what happens next. I was caught up at once in deep worship and, oh, (laughs) a throne set in heaven with one seated on the throne, suffused in gem hues of amber and flame with a nimbus of emerald. Twenty-four thrones circle the throne, and twenty-four elders seated, white-robed, gold-crowned, lightning flash and thunder crash pulse from the throne. Seven fire-blazing torches fronted the throne. These are the sevenfold spirit of God. Before the throne, it was like a clear crystal sea. Prowling around the throne were four animals, all eyes. Eyes to look ahead, eyes to look behind. The first animal like a lion, the second like an ox, the third with a human face, and the fourth like an eagle in flight. The four animals were winged, each with six wings. They were all eyes seeing around and within, and they chanted night and day, never taking a break. Holy, holy, holy is God our master, sovereign, strong, the was, the is, the coming. Every time the animals gave glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the age-after-age living one, the 24 elders would fall prostrate. Before the one seated on the throne, they worshiped the age-after-age living one. They threw their crowns at the foot of the throne, chanting, Worthy, O Master, yes, our God, take the glory, the honor, the power. You created it all. It was created because you wanted it. every place where I cause my name to be honored in your worship. I'll be there myself and bless you. In the first service, as we began this next segment of entering back into worship, about halfway into it, I got a revelation. The tabernacle that we enter is worship itself. No one else can go there for you except you. New Testament asks a very interesting and quite dynamic question, they say. What do you not know that you are the temple of the living God? Don't you know that? And the way you can enter into that is through the act of worship. Every place, or I cause my name to be honored in your worship. What if you are the place? And only you can get you inside of you. So I want to encourage you this morning as we come back into a time of worship, maybe we can get to where John got, deep worship, deep worship. But only you can get you there. You know, you won't get drawn in. Do you ever draft ride on, on the highways? We've got a, a Mini Cooper. You get behind a, a 16-wheeler, and you can take your foot off the gas and put it in, in neutral. You know, you're going to... Worship is not that way. There's no draft riding in worship. Either you go in yourself or you don't go in. You're the tent. You're the temple. You're the place He cause his name to be honored in your worship. And if you can do this, he himself will be there. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He himself will be in there and he will bless you. Yeah, you know, we look at circumstances and situations and we start looking for externals to resolve our problems. When the answer is in us, in the person of Jesus Christ. Go into the tent. Enter by worship, and he'll be there, and he'll bless you. Let's stand together. We're going to open up this area if you feel a need to come and present yourself before the Lord and uh any type of prayer, supplication, or anything like that, or just to get into his presence or separate yourself, feel free to, to do that. Otherwise, you know, just the person next to you doesn't exist. It's you and the Lord in that tent. You're hidden in a cloudy pillar in the presence of the Lord. Go deep. Go deep. It'll change everything. If you can find your way in, let's worship together.
1: Thank no.